Alright everybody, welcome back to the place. How are you guys doing this week? Hope you guys are doing well. We're, we're, uh... Brownie, how are we doing? Well, we're awake, but we both probably shouldn't be. I mean, I mean, I, I think I have a reason to be awake for at least another six hours. You, on the other hand, um, you're in the negative. I'm very much in the negative. I'm, um... Here. I hit 20 hours <laughs> about an hour and ten minutes ago, so, you know, almost been up for 24 hours. Yay. Yeah. But you're not tired. I'm not tired. I think it has to do with what I was doing, which <laughs> we'll be talking about today. Hmm. So. It's fair. It's fair. See, in my case, it was a, um, it was the matter of, you know, uh, for, for the people who are listening who may go like, wow, Keck sounds different. It's because I am not in my normal recording area. I am out in Michigan visiting the Sassy Lassie. And, um, well, I went on the flight. Got like maybe three hours of sleep before before getting up to to get to the airport so I could fly. Um, did the whole flight, fell asleep on the plane for about an hour. Uh, got picked up from the airport, came home, faffed about for a little bit, had some food, went to bed. Didn't work, so we stayed up, or at least tried to. And then I got like three hours of sleep again, and then went to get food, and then did uh, did everything else. Try to go back to sleep again after we're both dead at like 7, wake up at 11. I've been up since. I, w I woke up at 11 p.m. technically. So I've been up for like 11 hours. So more or less like 5 hours until I should start crashing again. But hmm. yeah, I've been up since 11 p.m. And <laughs> been like I've just done shit through the night. Um, yeah. Yay. So I'm a little fucked and I sound a little different because I'm using a different microphone, different audio setup. I may sound better, worse. It really depends on your personal preference and my voice because different microphones, different voices, whatnot. Uh, side note, if anyone does start hearing uh, fuzz in the background, or gets more fuzzy than it normally is as I'm talking, it's because the heating in this place kicks on. I don't know how to change it. And at this point, I'm too fucking lazy to. It's snowing outside. <laughs> I, I'd like to be warm. <laughs> No offense to those of you listening, I don't think the amount of fuzz that you may or may not hear at this point is going to be that much of a bother considering issues we had previously, so. Mm -hmm. but yeah, uh, that is the update at least for ourselves, considering we're, we're probably going to be loopy for better or for worse, some stuttering, maybe really stupid jokes that get us going for some reason. All the giggle fits probably lost a thought in some areas. Oh yeah. I've already been distracted like four times before we started recording. Let's put it this way. We talked about starting the podcast about hour ago. <laughs> little hour more. Yeah, hour and a half ago. Kept getting yeah. distracted, so it was just like, all right, fuck it. Okay, to be fair, one of the things you were distracted by was one of the things we're going to talk about. True. Um, I was partially distracted by something we were going to talk about, but a lot of my other distractions was shit we don't cover. <laughs> typically don't cover. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so that was that was fun. Um, but yeah, welcome welcome back to the place. Um, this is definitely going to be a slightly different experience for me because I'm editing and doing all this at a d different place. Um, but yeah, uh, welcome welcome to today's episode, this week's episode, if you will. Um, we've got I think quite a quite a good amount of positive things. Some I think one topic is is kind of a trying to set up shed more of a positive look and or an alternative look on a negative thing than it is like shitting on it yeah, kind um, of a neutral ground if nothing else yeah and then everything else a part of this episode is 
uh, quite positive. For once, like, it's been four weeks, and we have a nice positive layout for the most part. Yeah, I mean, we tried... I don't remember how, how successful we were at ending the podcast with Kumo, if uh, positive or not. I, my memory does not serve me well in that one today. It was not super positive. It started, the ending started positive, and then we kept talking. Yeah. <laughs> Which. Eh. Oh, that's when we started shitting on Smash Heads. Yeah. Yeah, now I remember. Yeah. <laughs> but, to um, be fair, it was us and Kuma. We have a we have a pretty nasty habit of shitting on people. Yeah, e- even if, when it's completely unintentional, it'll usually more than likely end up going in that direction just because well, nine out of ten times people deserve it. Oh, uh, it's especially like that. We we normally go after the people like we normally shit on people the ones where it's just like you you what you what mate you did what now <laughs> you 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 put the toaster next to the bathtub. You couldn't. You um, couldn't even put it in. You put it next to it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You try. You try to commit toaster bath. Yeah, it didn't work. Did you plug it in? I was supposed to. This thing has a plug. <sighs> <laughs> Mine's battery powered. <laughs> why do we? Don't have, why don't we have battery powered toasters? Side tangent aside. All right. <laughs> what, um. Why? Uh, why? Why did I go with why? I said I just said that. Fuck. Why? See, this is where the tiredness comes in. <laughs> why? Uh, why should we talk about? What should we talk about first? Um, because um, I, I feel like the bulk of what we're gonna end up talking about the most is probably gonna be more of the neutral standpoint. Okay. So I think saving that for more of like the middle ground, the middle meat of the episode would be a good idea. Well, I think we should start with the uh, our shortest little topic right now, which is involving the mm-hmm. FGC. Yes, 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 yes. The FGC. And for those who uh, listen, who hear FGC all the time and don't know what it means, fighting game community. Yeah. We've got two, uh, an update to one game and a game that's coming out that's, you know, getting progressively like teasing more stuff on what's coming. Um, we have Guilty Gear, which is the one that's coming now. We actually have more of like an idea when it's coming, which is. Uh, late 2020 which is both like depending on how you you look at it a good and a bad thing i take that as a good thing because that means that they're going to be taking their time with it listening to feedback and doing all this sort of stuff we have very few characters shown off so far like actually shown off what they do i think we have five maybe six i don't remember and they just like teased the next one um so the fact that they're doing that and it's called guilty gear strive the fact that they're doing that and a lot of people are kind of excited for it and uh, critical of it because it seems to be changing a lot of what Guilty Gear is and whatnot. It's going to be interesting to see where they go, what feedback they take, if they change anything, if they add anything. We'll see. We have no idea what the final product is going to look like. We still have a basically a full year potentially until we see this title. Mm-hmm. So a lot of shit can happen. Um, but then we also have Street Fighter. Street Fighter had a trailer to post surprisingly early mm-hmm. we were i was waiting and i think many people were waiting for capcom cup to see uh to see news on a new edition now, most of us were expecting at capcom cup but they decided to drop it a lot earlier i forget the event that they dropped it at it's not necessarily important but they dropped um a trailer for a new character and a new edition and the new character is gil from street fighter 3 most people would probably know him more from Third Strike because 
Third Strike is really the most popular version of 3, mainly uh, due to balance changes, character improvements, more characters, a lot more cleaner systems, um, you know, many, many reasons. Uh, so that, and I think it's the only Street Fighter 3rd Edition that has been constantly refreshed and added to more modern consoles. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the, the most relevant uh, of all of them. But it, it is a um, a character that has been the prominent villain of Street Fighter 3. So it's interesting to see that they're adding the character in because Street Fighter Five story had kind of the end of M. Bison, quote-unquote, end, because it, it, it's an ongoing franchise. They can literally pull voodoo magic to bring him back. <laughs> I mean, they technically have the story set up to be able to go, we can bring M. Bison back at any time, but we're going to see how this goes again, maybe, um, with Ed. But we have Gil as a new playable character who has only been a boss and has never been a playable character before, I don't believe, besides maybe in like a crossover game, uh, never in a Street Fighter game. I, 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 I wouldn't say take me as a credible source on that one. I... I I think I'm not super knowledgeable in the past of fighting games for Street Fighter, considering I joined in on five. (laughs) Yeah, same. So I can't exactly say anything either regarding that. But he's typically not a character that people associate with a normal playable character. He's a boss character. Um, so the fact they're adding him is pretty interesting. Um, but they decided to add, um, the. Champion edition? It's it's either champion edition or complete edition. I don't remember which wording they used. Basically, champion. They're okay. So champion edition. They've announced a new addition to the game, champion edition, which will be releasing sometime this upcoming February, if I remember correctly. Yep. And the champion edition, essentially, it's Street Fighter Five everything edition. You get all the characters, yep. all the maps, modes. Yeah everything i think even costumes or the only costumes that aren't included and i think it was specified was one particular event where you don't get those costumes and the um like the tie-ins from other corporations like red bull and stuff like that mm-hmm. you don't get those costumes but it's because probable reasons so <laughs> being you... able to like because covering their asses yeah. basically so you won't get a specialty you won't get the super specialty costume. Aside from that, it sounds like every other costume available in mm-hmm. the game, including ones that you would originally have to purchase individually, now come with the addition. This is also looking like it's potentially the end of Street Fighter V now that they're doing this, which begs the question of, the hell comes next? Yeah, I mean, first off, like it was very clear that you get all 40 characters, which, holy shit, I did not know there was 40 of them. Yeah, right? it doesn't feel like it um uh they get all the costumes all of chun li's costumes and then very few that they sprinkle in everyone else's direction Mm -hmm. um i still don't understand the disparity on that one it just weirds me out um they 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 did the whole stages thing all the game modes i don't understand why they highlighted game modes because everyone already has all the game modes it's not tied to any particular version. It's weird that they added that. I, I um, think they added that to specify the, all the story modes that come with having those characters unlocked, but I don't know why they decided to do that. Yeah, because having the DLC... It, 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 I guess it's one of those idiot-proofing marketing. Um, That's what my assumption is, but I don't know. 
couldn't tell you otherwise. So there's all of that. All right. Um, There is the, and and, and as you said, there, there is the question of like, well, what's next? So we're not getting this until February, which means we're not getting Gil until February. We have Capcom Cup happening early December, early ish December. We have a PlayStation 5 and the next Xbox experience coming. I think they said roughly around the end of 2020, mm-hmm. which also ties in with the whole Guilty Gear thing. Um, we might see the first images and trailers for Street Fighter 6, considering it's been five, four or five years with Street Fighter 5. Yeah, something like that. I think it's been five. Uh, somewhere around there. I mean, I can look at the date. Let me put it this way. As of February, it will have been five. Uh, it, yeah. Release date, February 16th, 2016. There you go. So. 2016. No, that would be four. That would be four years. Four years. It'd okay. be four four years since since the release. So, is that, wait. Is that a four-year run? That's not bad. Wait a minute. We're waiting. Did they change that for fucking arcade edition? Hold up. <laughs> oh, no, you don't need arcade edition's release date. You need the uh, standard edition. Yeah, I think Steam is showing the arcade edition. No, eh, it looks like it's 2016. Okay, be sure, be sure. Original 2016. Arcade edition was 18. Okay. Um, okay. So there was a two-year difference between those. So yeah, no, it'd be a four-year run when Champion Edition comes out, which supposedly is landing February 14th. So it's two days shy of four years, and Champion Edition seems to have absolutely everything and it seems like they're winding the game down street fighter 5 is coming to an end we're going to have that final season potentially of whatever like changes come with champion edition and that's it Mm -hmm. that's all we get um now of course there's plenty of concerns and criticism that street fighter 5 has had uh because of its net code because of its art style um some of the balancing issues like it's it's come under fire for a few things so i wouldn't be surprised going forward into street fighter 6 we'd see a lot of those issues um fundamentally like figured out because i think a lot of people were getting pissy with like the options you had on defense being very much nothing like block 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 guess if they're going to grab you and jump um there there's a whole lot of stuff that like people are probably going to speculate for street fighter 6 it begs the question of what we're going to get at capcom cup at the end because they like revealing stuff at their own tournament mm-hmm. for like the big finale of the season sort of thing so it's it's weird that we're seeing this first here um so it's definitely opened up the door for a lot of possibilities going into not only capcom cup but what is potentially going to be seen next year after champion edition is released Mm-hmm. So, and the the main thing is is like, well, if we're gonna have a new Street Fighter, um, rosters, characters, balance changes, stuff like that that we'd like to see, um, particularly because like, yeah, there's like, it's gonna be forty characters, you know, like they're not there's gonna be forty characters. There's currently forty characters in Street Fighter Five, but not that many are all that viable. Like, there, there's quite a few of the low tier characters that you just cannot play in a tournament setting. There's people who try. And they try hard mm-hmm. to get them into like top eight tournament settings, and you never see them. And actually, in some of in some cases, I don't think uh, some of these characters has ever seen a top eight setting. So you don't see them at like finales at all. So being able to see a bit more, a, a bit more of each character, even if it is just like one player, as opposed to like the, the, like 
the none that we had previously would be nice, but that's uh, up into the hands of the developers and stuff like that to figure that out. Um, we'll see, because Capcom, it's been kind of a joke in the FGC when it came to Street Fighter that Street Fighter V was kind of the, the eh, forget about it, drop in the bucket, while Capcom was working on Monster Hunter World and that being amazing, and, and Resident Evil 2 Remake and that being amazing, and all the stuff that they were putting out, you know, Double May Cry 5 and all of that stuff that they were putting out, and it was top tier, that, like, play this game, there's no reason not to unless you don't like the play style. Like, this game is good. Even if you don't like the game, understand that it's a good game, and, like, maybe watch what the story is because the story is pretty cool, or the cutscenes are pretty cool, or the music's really good. You know, like, that side of Capcom was like, woo, shit's going fucking crazy. And then everyone at Street Fighter Five side is like, why the fuck is there a turd in my salad? <laughs> like, the fuck? And I, I, I made the post on Twitter actually fairly recently of, like, one of the what-the-fuck moments of... Hi, I did a, uh, a crouching a crouching heavy with Alex, and it connected to a jury who was nowhere near me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, no, Street Fighter V had some fucking issues. <laughs> Personally, art style-wise, I didn't mind it. I actually thought the art style was right, but everything else from its, its netcode and whatnot was just bleh. So hopefully if they move forward into showing Street Fighter VI that they actually fix those things. And just make people have fun and more, more engaging time with Street Fighter and less of a salty one. Oh, that's the hope, so, anyway. That's the hope. Um, we don't know how Champion Edition will turn out. Besides, it's going to be the winding down of Street Fighter. It's very. It's basically written on the box saying Street Fighter Five is ending. <laughs> so we'll see how it winds down. How how things you know play out after Street Fighter Five. But I'm kind of looking forward to to at least what they are going to talk about for Capcom Cup. Yeah. But moving away from that for a moment, uh, shall we go into what Grinding Gear Games has been doing? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And this is something I think I have the least amount of knowledge on, at least from the, the previous the previous game. <laughs> <laughs> because, oh boy, I, I didn't get far. So um, what we're referring to, if you're not familiar with what uh, Grinding Gear Games does... We're talking about Path of Exile, you know, the big uh, Diablo-esque looter shooter game that had that big ass fucking skill, not tree, but a fucking spider web that then devolved into all different kinds of character creation. That game. The, as, as I've always put it, the game that I want to love, but I can never get into. <laughs> mm -hmm. They are changing that. And making it to where new players can get into it, old players can still enjoy it, and you're all going to have a much easier time. How are they doing this? Easy. They slapped a 2 behind it. Path of Exiles 2 is coming. It is a full, what is it, 7-act campaign, reworked skill system, reworked gem system, um, a lot of quality of life things with item management and things of that nature... I think at one point they mentioned a proper tutorial at the beginning of the game. Not just, this is how you move, this is how you shoot, good luck. But something to actually walk you through how the game and the system works. To help you understand how it all comes together. So that way, you know, when somebody says activate your aura in order to use your abilities, it's not just, you know, sand on rock, how do I make fire? Okay. Now, a lot of the amazing things that are coming out of this is more of a, um, 
You say rework, but when most people imagine reworking games, they imagine that the system is completely overhauled and there's very little of what the original system was. In this case, the guys at Grinding Gear Games understood what people loved about their game, about Path of Exile. And they reworked the system, and as they put it on stage, I'm going to roughly summarize what he said on stage into a poorly uh, remembered and tired version of, we wanted to take everything that was a flaw about this game and improve upon it without sacrificing the any of the stuff that people enjoyed about it. Mm-hmm. So with the gem rework... They didn't take gems out. They didn't take the skill gems out. They didn't change the entirety of of how you acquire skills and whatnot. Functionally, between one and two, they're basically the same thing. The difference is the window and where you do it, and how the how you are or the options you have with said gems. Mm-hmm. Because instead of taking away options, but but by and large, from what we saw from gameplay demos and what they were talking about on stage, was not that they took anything out. They just made it easier to understand and a lot easier to swap items with. Mm-hmm. As well as add stuff to be able to take stuff like, oh, your your auras. And um, maybe put in a gem that you could just have one button to stack them all into place. Yep. They, uh, they talked about the idea of introducing what they, I believe they refer to it on stage as a meta gem. Yeah. Basically a gem to take all of your auras and abilities and macro it onto a single key. Which, if you have played Path of Exile, or if you watch the um, if you watch the showcase where they announced it, you'll notice the crowd went wild. As oh, this was the, a the blessing from crowd. the gods. The entire crowd, I think, the, throughout the entirety of that presentation. With the exception of one like really minor thing, which as you could tell was like a very developer geeky moment, and less of like a player interest moment. The crowd was going nuts over everything that they were bringing out. Oh, absolutely everything. And uh, on top of just, like, um, what they've been doing with the actual game, along with Path of Exiles 2, they are doing a slight graphics overhaul, um, as well as a... Trying to remember what they call that. I think it's like a collision overhaul or something like that. When you miss a target and it goes flying past them and hits a wall, um, there actually is actions done with that. And I believe there's actual sh- physics. Yeah, there's actual physics, and I believe ricocheting arrows is now a thing, which changes some of the builds that they do. A lot of things that they announced changed a lot of builds just from what I was and just from so you- what little I know of the game. So it was like, oh. From what they said with the collision detection, especially with missing, was the fact that like, oh, you miss, and like the arrows will hit the hit the wall and give you that kind of like sputtered out bounce, like oh man, like it did a flip and like landed in the dirt or something. Mm-hmm. Like it was it was a lot more obvious that you missed, and like that that arrow did something else than like just kind of disappear after a certain range, like most games do. Yeah. Um, but it was a, a very interesting thing because. Well, if they have collision detection to that degree, well, why? what's stopping them from, I don't know, adding gems that you want to bounce things off walls? Well, that's the nice thing. Or They've had gems that. that do that and similar effects mm-hmm. like that. The thing is, is you could never tell because it's a, I believe it's based on proxy and chance. Yeah. So you have to actually proc it to do so. So every once in a while when you missed and you thought you were ricocheting, you weren't, but you had no way to tell. And granted, at higher levels, when you're shooting a thousand arrows a second, it's kind of hard to tell anyway. But at a yeah. lower level, when you're shooting and you're missing, 
and you're waiting for that ricochet, you can actually now have that very clear, distinct, did it bounce and come back, or did it hit and stop? Yeah. So it's a, it's a good way of being able to communicate the right information to the player. Right. On top of just, like, things like being able to have, what was it, a six-stringer? I forget the terminology. I'm not a Path of Exile player. A uh, six-string uh, gem layout. Yeah, six-string gem layout on more skills, more primary skills. Um, so it's very, it's very nice to see that they're updating the game in a way that, like, the people who love the game already, who are there at the con because they love the game, are hype as fuck for it, and it gets someone like me who has played the game three, four, five different occasions who just had a hard time getting into it and just, you know, hard time getting un- getting an understanding of the system and getting to that area where the game really picks up because a lot of games with, like, that really interesting, neat network ends up having to be kind of a schlog in the beginning, mm-hmm. which really fucking sucks because even, like, I was even watching, uh, like, recently guys talking about MMOs and talking about, like, oh, yeah, you know, the game really picks up after level 30. And it's like... But you have to get there. You have to get there. And that was one of the things that they addressed on stage is that the new chapters that they're bringing to Path of Exile 2, the new story, um, they're going to be trying to introduce more of those concepts earlier so you get a better sense of what this game is fucking about and why people love it so you can love it too Mm -hmm. and of course visually updating the game to the point where like it's more consistent throughout because one of the things that i still give the game shit here here and there for is all right cool i'm in the beginning area of the game you're on a fucking like washed up desert shore why does this string of sand look different than this one and, like, have this weird mesh into each other? Like, it's like watching two claymation artists try to smack blue and purple together. Like, it's just, ugh, in some areas. Or, like, the streams connecting to water is, like, a different coloration and texture than, like, the, the, the beach water entirely or whatnot. Yeah. And it, like, the inconsistencies like that were throwing me for a loop. And it was just, like, I was being more nitpicky on shit like that than wanting to play the game. <laughs> and now, thankfully, that shouldn't be the case. Another thing that they're doing is, uh, with the base game, all of the maps had a very general layout. Um, you could always take the same path and get through it with relative ease. It was almost always laid out the exact same way. They've mentioned that, and this is, was something they noted, like it's going to upset racers, but you know, something they wanted to add. There is true randomization to location, especially to yeah. dungeon, to you know, give you a different experience and a different feel every time you go through. You're not just going to be able to go down the same corridor. You're not just going to face the same enemies. I appreciate that a lot. I appreciate that a lot. Like as much as like kind of understanding the area, like I mean, it, 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 it it's no secret I've played a fuckload of Dark Souls. We've played a lot of Dark Souls together, even. Mm-hmm. Um, sameness is nice, but there's a point where like you, you get to a certain area and you just know it's gonna be shit the entire time you're there. It doesn't matter what class you're playing. It doesn't matter what amazing build you're running. You're just mm. <laughs> you get there and it's just like, well, fuck. Now I gotta deal with this. Mm-hmm. And even with some some games that do some more randomness, um, it sometimes it still sucks, which is just a general like enemy enemy types and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, but my the the example that comes to mind, and this is funny because it's shitting on Blizzard <laughs> this time. Um, D 
Diablo 2's Act 2. Oh, yeah, I know exactly Not what Diablo you're talking 2's. about. Uh, Diablo 3's. Sorry. Oh, okay. Diablo 3's Act 2, their whole desert thing. Yeah. Every time I'm there, I, I literally... My eyes are rolling to the back of my head the entire time I'm running through the dungeons, the entire time I'm running through the, the, the sand areas, the entire time I'm dealing with all of that shit. And, ooh, ooh, it's mystical sand, people. Like, fuck off. <laughs> it's, it's the same color throughout four different rooms, six different dungeons. Okay, this one's green. I, I'm done with it. Back to fucking sand. Speaking of which... I'm, so tired of that shit. This is part of the reason why I was so excited to see this update to Path of Exile. That will be coming relatively soon. We got the announcement of Diablo 4. We got mm. the announcement that Diablo Immortal is somehow still in the works. And that they are nowhere close to being done. Either of them. Yep. Path of Exile? We should see it by next year. If things go according to plan. And it's gonna be fun. Oh yeah. Something Diablo is currently not. <laughs> I haven't been this excited to play Path of Exile since my friend dragged me in to do update 3.0. This is going to be oh. good. The interesting thing, too, that they mentioned in the showcase that um, I would like to touch on just very briefly, because mm. this, this goes to show the developers recognizing hype and recognizing what new content means for uh, any uh, like existing player base. Right. They were showing off some like some of the new gems that they were using. They were showing off a few different things that they were using. And before it even got to a point of like, oh, this is all coming in 4.0 and you have to wait until this comes out. And they even, apparently they said they've, the, the beta might be in 2020. Mm, I know what you're it talking may, about. It might be a little little um, early. We'll, we'll see how things lay out. They said that they like 2020, 2021-ish area. Right. All right. But... They they sat down. They went. Oh, and all the stuff that we're showing off right now, and some of the stuff we may showing we might show off before like uh, before 4.0 actually lands, is going to be in the game before 4.0. Mm -hmm. Like the the gem overhaul and a lot of the major updates to how the game works is going to be 4.0. The gems and the skills and all the stuff you get to play around with with like how it works and interacts with each other is going to be there beforehand. Mm -hmm. all the way up to and, i believe they said they're going to push out up to 3.9 mm -hmm. before 4.0 comes out and they're going to try and push as much of that out into the game as is yep. so that you know their current player base can play around with it get familiar with it do what they want to do with it before the new um uh, 4.0 update comes out and then yep. once 4.0 comes out and the new player base or new players and those who are interested start to step in they'll have, you know, everything to play with. Yep. But up until then, it's not just a waiting game for their current player base. They are doing everything they can and pushing, they're going to be pushing out updates to get that content to them as fast as possible. So that way they can um, experience it for themselves. And that they can also get feedback from their players to know what works, what doesn't, what's broken, what isn't. <laughs> what what's broken because it's not working what's broken as in everyone's running this what's broken as in it's not working they don't give a shit if they find something that everybody wants to run because that game given that i believe it's strictly pve mm -hmm. they follow the right path of if you can do stupid and i mean stupid amounts of damage go for it they love the idea and My i'm sure eyes. from what you saw on 
the stage when they were talking. They're the type of developers who encourage it. Yeah. What I mean is um, not not in a sense of like, this is distinctly overpowered versus everything else that we have in the game. Oh, gee. I mean, like, the, the level of no one else is using any of the other stuff because this is just so far superior to doing what it needs to be done because these ones don't hold enough light. Like that level of it's almost it's kind of that equation of like hey we had we added a whole bunch of healing stuff but only one everyone's using this one specific one because the, these other ones actually don't work as well as we hoped right like the, the differences in like the general imbalance of these skills are just not being used period end of sentence like yeah. no one's finding a way for them to work and this one's being overused because of that because it's the only one that actually does get the job done <laughs> the well, A, chances of that actually happening, very low. And B, should it happen? The nice thing is, they're not going to, they're very unlikely to bring that one skill set that's working really well down to everything else's mm -hmm. level. They're more than likely going to bring everything else up to see what happens. Yes. They're the developers that understand PvE is supposed to just be kind of crazy ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like, it, th th there's an area where, like, if you're going to make it a competitive thing, you know, like, all right, whatever. Like, you know, WoW has the whole PvE side of, of rating and whatnot and mm -hmm. stuff like that. But, like, even Diablo had their, like, Nephilim Rift thing. So, you know, balance between classes really doesn't fucking matter in that one so much. Mm -hmm. As long as it's, like, hey, yeah, you're able to have fun with just about anything. Yeah. You're able to build just about anything and have a good time with it. All right, cool. You know, like, if you're having competitive or, like, oh, you can do this one to be able to do the most damage, but this one to get further in the game faster. So, like, you get different play styles for someone who wants to run past everything. You get play styles for someone who wants to kill everything. You know, all that stuff. That's great. Yeah. The area where it, like, where it sucks is PvE when it's, like, you don't have the options of going towards ridiculousness and it's just get the gear like wow case with raids. And it's, like, great, I can't even get the gear because my class is so underrepresented and so trash that I'm, uh, I went from 1 to 120, as it is currently, and um, now I can't raid until I'm literally somehow past the mark, like, past this mark, which I can't get to unless I raid. Mm -hmm. That, like, it's that area of, like, alright, Blizzard doesn't buff those characters up because they're assholes, but, yeah, well, like, most cases, you should be able to pick up a game that you kill a bunch of fucking I almost said zombies. I mean, guess zombies are technically in there too. Zombies, demons, skeletons, whatever the fuck. It could be fucking ponies for all I care. Yeah, ponies that be. shoot rainbows out of their fucking asshole. If you want to do 8 billion damage and you find a way to do 8 billion damage, fucking go for it. Like, it doesn't matter. You have fun with the game. There's not, you know, 20 billion people who are trying to do the same thing as you, you know, killing that one pony all at the same time. You yeah, fuck it, whatever. Because Path of Exile kind of sits in that, like, instanced MMO space, oddly enough. It's in that, like, it's a Diablo style, but it sits in kind of an instanced MMO. Because once you hit the hub, you see everybody else. Mm -hmm. But then when you go into the, the, the next area that you need to go into, it's just you and your party. So the most you see is people on the hub. You're not fighting for killing the you know the, the the quest creature you need to do to complete the quest or the whatever you need to farm you you just play the game with friends you don't you don't really need to hard balance that 
the nice thing is they realize that so it's been a enjoyable experience and now it's gonna be even more so i'm very excited for it i'm a very excited for it yeah that's what i meant to say anyway i mean i'm looking forward to it mainly because well <laughs> with all the blizzard shit going on diablo possibly going down the drain no real competitors diablo either because like torchlight died I can't really think of anything else that's trying to be Diablo-esque that isn't already, like, kind of crossing a genre border. Yeah. I mean, like, the new Darksiders that's coming out kind of has a similar look to yeah, it, but it's not it has, quite the same. It, it's, they haven't really touched on, like, loot or anything, so... Yeah, so it's one of those things most, of, like, it kind of is, it's kind of not. It's just an isometric thing, as far as we know. As far as I'm we know. looking forward to it, because I like Darksiders. Yeah. But... I don't think I would classify it in the same category. Huh. That's fair. No, I don't think it would. Yeah, no, so Path of Exile is really the only one that's there, and huh, right now, it's looking real good. Because, like, every every other game that does kind of the loot, like, the, the, the dungeon loot loot sort of situation, randomized loot, is, like, Destiny, but that's a, that, that's a first-person MMO style. Mm-hmm. And it's also a shooter, so... It's more about placing your shots than having abilities. Okay. Well, the, the Borderlands. Same, same problem. fucking thing. <laughs> it, like, you, you don't really have the nuance that you do with, like, a Diablo dungeon delve situation. Or a, a Path of Exile dungeon delve skill situation. Though That kind of intricacy isn't, isn't present in any of those other games. You know yeah you're just not gonna find it anywhere else so the fact that path of exile is kind of the only competitor right now is very interesting it goes to show the reason why the game is so loved is probably because of the negligence of diablo 3 (laughs) anyone who was a diablo fan definitely felt the burn of diablo 3 and uh you're probably more than feeling the burn right now with what they said with diablo 4 and immortal so everyone felt the burn with immortal even non Diablo fans felt the burn with Immortal. Well, I mean, the burn of Immortal is what led to the big explosion of Path of Exile during 3.0. And people really? realized, like, hey, this is kind of. Yeah. Woo-hoo. When Immortal was announced and 3.0 came right after it, there's a reason all the servers for Path of Exile died. I didn't hear about this. Oh, I was there playing when it happened. Oh, <laughs> You'd be in a server no. for 20 minutes before it just. A lot of hardcore um, players who were, a lot of people who were playing on hardcore, like you die, mm-hmm. that character's dead, ended up yeah. losing characters because they weren't able to save and the server fucking died. Ouch. Yep. That's, that's fucky. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean. Developers did what they could to get the uh, servers <laughs> under maintenance, properly able to handle load. And up and yep. running as fast as possible, but it was one of those things of, like, they just weren't prepared, and given that, you know, when the server died, everything just kind of died with it, so they weren't able to, yeah. like, be able to pull anything back and help anyone. They just kind of had to tell them, like, hey, sorry, you gotta start over. Yeah. And, I mean, like, when it came down to... I mean, when it comes down to it, like, that, that it wasn't a situation where they they weren't expecting like they they didn't like improperly measure their their new release shit it was just one of those hey blizzard fucked up and everyone decided to fuck off to a different game that was doing something similar and possibly better and well let's put it this way it was just sudden enough that uh, it caused a little shell shock yeah to be fair so was immortal um 
so it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what comes out of 4.0 and all of that stuff especially with the fact that not only did we get the like we got the cool news and the cool cinematic for for diablo 4 sure but um one the game's take going to take way too fucking long to get to, to retail shelves for the hype to really carry and two at least so far from what they've talked about it looks like the diablo experience is not going to be the same if anything actually now that i'm thinking about it the diablo experience is probably trying to mimic more of what fucking path of exile is doing which let's be perfectly clear here why path of exile is doing it very well they have the user base behind them blizzard wants to knock on those doors i bet because they want they they want the interactivity between players like path of exile has in their hub worlds and all of that more darker edginess that well, Path of Exile has kind of had in spades. Let's be honest. Let's be really honest. Path of Exile is not a light-hearted game. It is very like grim dark. Oh, it is super grim dark. And the other half of that is um, regarding to Blizzard. I think they want their player base back. Because mm-hmm. they <laughs> they had to have realized they chased them off. They had well, to have. Let's be perfectly honest here. They don't want the player base. They want the wallet. You need the players if you're gonna get the wallet. Mm-hmm. But they're looking if at they the don't money. understand that. Yeah, I was gonna say if they don't understand that, then uh, <laughs> they're lost. Oh yeah. But um, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that. Um, especially since like I myself haven't played Path of Exile, and I don't know how long. I've I've tried so many times, so many times, and every single time I don't think I can get more than a few hours in. It, it I don't know why. It's great, but it's just one of those things I haven't been able to swallow yet. And maybe maybe if I try with the right people or try again with the right mindset or whatnot, I, I can get into it, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, with that, what else do we have? Well, we got two more things to do. Um, you said you wanted to leave <laughs> the neutral for last, so shall we go on to uh, Respawn? Yeah, we shall go on to Respawn. All right. Before we begin this, I'm going to preface the game we're talking about is not an RPG. (laughs) I only say that because we saw so many fucking reviews for this game bitching about the RPG elements, and we both looked at it and went, action adventure. Where the fuck did you get RPG? Yeah. Uh, But anyway, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. I have purchased this game. I have played this game. I have been playing it. Let me answer the many hours (laughs) <laughs> i have nine hours in this game yeah so far i adore it this is exactly what i was hoping to. of course i also knew what type of game i was buying unlike some people <laughs> unlike some people and to be fair it looks like a good majority of the people who bought this game you know a solid 90 percent of them who have been saying nothing but good things about it well not nothing but good things but m- majority of good things about it also knew the game they were getting it's the 10% that's been concerning us. It's the 10% that apparently have no idea what the hell they were getting themselves into. Or don't have a solid argument. I will get into that in a little bit. Um, but ultimately, like, the game focuses on its platforming, combat, and story. Okay. Platforming is unbelievably solid. If you were a fan of, like, Uncharted, Tomb Raider, anything of that nature. And by Tomb Raider, I mean Tomb Raider 2013, Rise of the Tomb Raider, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, things of that nature. That very, yeah, that recent, very fluid place-to-place-to-place platforming that you could 
go very quickly or you could take your time if you wanted to be careful. It has that very nice nuance of it feels good. It is smooth. The connection to like um, the connection to lips when you grab onto vines on a wall, things of that nature. It looks good. It feels good. The overall controls of how you move your main character are fantastic. When it comes to combat, um, a lot of people have tr been trying to compare it to a Souls-like combat style, and that's not necessarily wrong. I would just argue that it's more like Sekiro, um, simply because you have a main block button that also doubles as your parry button based on timing, and then the overall attack and repose style. Not to mention the very punishing damage you uh, take when you know you fail to block or uh, parry properly. Um, combat is incredibly fluid. It it does the good thing, which not a lot of games can do, of being able to be fast and fluid while still being able to feel like you have control of the situation. It never really... I haven't met a situation where I feel like I'm overwhelmed by the controls or by the overall combat of the situation I'm having to face. I've struggled here and there, absolutely. Um, especially early on, I ran into a boss I probably wasn't supposed to fight, and I threw myself at him about 30 times until I killed him. But Jesus. <laughs> but, um, hey, it was a great way for me to, like, get a nice fundamental understanding of the combat controls. Especially considering I looked at the game and went, fuck it, hard is difficult. Um, oh, you fucking... <laughs> <laughs> but, you did um, what I did. Of course I did. But, um... And then the overall story of the game, which, it has captured me. I really don't like the direction the Star Wars movies have taken. I don't care for the sequels, but the overall story that they're providing for Fallen Order, it's well told. It's handled really well for the perspective you're given, as well as the perspectives of the companions you end up meeting and having. Everything about it feels very unique, very real, and has a very visceral, dark... Ah, God, what's what's the word I want to use here? It, it truly feels like an actual situation, which which is rare for like that sci-fi setting. Mm -hmm. But it it honestly feels like a true, real, terrible situation, and it's being portrayed incredibly well. Honestly, the mocap and like the actual human actors being captured in that moment to give that expression to go with the story has helped yeah. immensely. But just overall, it's been an absolute pleasure and it i don't even think be, i'm halfway through <laughs> and it, it seems to be like for a lot of people it's going very well and the very few people who aren't vibing with it are the same people who aren't vibing with uh sekiro funny how you bring that up because you said it and i was just like i, I looked at the steam page real quick to see the the actual percentage and the amount of people who have been reviewing the game mm -hmm. and on at least the steam page there's seven thousand six hundred and ninety three people at the time of recording this Okay. that have reviewed this game and it's sitting at a 90 percent positive how that's not overwhelmingly positive i don't know it's just very positive um it, it, it is basically at this point with that many people reviewing the game it's it's a it's a good game it's at that point it's pretty hard to argue that it's not a good game it's just it may not be a game for everybody because of you know play style um, you know, there's going to be people who don't like the Tomb Raider or Uncharted ways of getting around. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be some people who wanted maybe something different from the Star Wars IP, maybe an RPG. <laughs> and um, funnily enough, when I look over at Sekiro, who's 
also sitting at a, uh, oh, I don't know, a whopping, I think it's 89% with about, so uh, of all reviews on Sekiro, 26,288, 89% positive. So pretty similar note at this point. Mm-hmm. Quite literally, note for note, sounds exactly the same as people with Fallen Order, where people are bashing the game because it got rid of build variety and item variation and customization and, and RPG elements that previous solo games from this company or this franchise, you can kind of intermingle the two if you want to, um, were kind of known for, or at least the market was known for. So right. like Sekiro basically wrote off the coattails of Dark Souls 3 and people were expecting a very customized variation in gameplay when what they got was a solo single player very specific storyline with varying degrees of customization with your uh with your weapon and a few upgrades that you know were not incredible and you had to play to a very more specific style you couldn't do it in like you know a big old like i've got the big old fuck you weapon and whatnot Mm -hmm. You, you couldn't do that it wasn't dark souls and people were kind of upset by that and it's like well i'm sorry but that's not what it was marketed as you can't complain that the game's not an rpg and the game never told you it was and that's kind of the same problem that fallen order is having with the with some of the audience that is reviewing it that is negative which is you're roughly about 10 percent of the people who pick it up so one in ten um and it basically comes down to you didn't read like it wasn't even like you didn't read the fine print you just didn't read you didn't read and you didn't even pay attention to the video put in front of you. Because if you watch the fucking trailer video on Steam, you see gameplay. You see what you end up doing. You see the platforming and you get to witness the combat. What was hard to understand about what you saw? Yeah. It. Now, my favorite thing, I... uh, if I may. Go for it. Half of the negative reviews are as you described them. Yep. The other 5%, because I have seen this so many times, have given it a negative review for the most bullshit reason I could possibly conceive or have ever heard of. I don't like this game. It's taken the Star Wars out of Star Wars. It's made Star Wars into this weird platformy Tomb Raider thing instead of keeping it like Star Wars. Keck, can you tell me what the fuck that's supposed to mean? I can't tell you what that's supposed to mean because as far as I know, for the for the longest time I've been alive, the Star Wars game that everyone remembered and talked about was Battlefront 2. Yeah. And let me tell you, <laughs> when I saw Star Wars Jedi, I don't even give a shit that the rest of the title is Fallen Order. I saw Star Wars Jedi. You know what my mind went to? Mm. Star Wars Jedi Knight, Jedi Outcast. Star Wars Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy. The old school games where guess what you did? Yeah, ran away. We ran around with your fucking laser sword and blasters, cutting through enemies, action adventure style. It wasn't yep. an RPG. Oh, oh, these people are coming from the Bioware days, aren't they? Oh yeah. These and people, the thing that's these people are coming from the Kotor days. Yeah. And not realizing that there are plenty of other games. Well, the thing that's hilarious to me about that is one, this isn't a, this isn't Bioware. They're too busy fucking up Anthem still, mm-hmm. um, and Dragon Age apparently, and potentially another Mass Effect. Bioware, stop. Anyway, um, <laughs> like is, this isn't Bioware. This isn't that style of game. Yes, I understand that there was a reboot rehash thing that they were trying to do in the community that got shut down by Disney. Um, 
sorry, it's not the game that you wanted it to be. But if you read the fucking page, you'd know that. And maybe you reviewed it, bought it, and reviewed it anyways? I don't know, like, because if I'm... Are you able to write a review if you haven't bought it? I don't think so. I think you have to have bought it and played at least 0.5 hours. Yeah, I can't I can't review it. So you yeah. had to have bought it. So you you bought the game and expected it to be something else. You didn't read the page. You didn't understand what parting with that $60 was. That sounds like a you problem? Like don't get me wrong, I've been in that sh- I've been in those shoes. I bought Dragon's Dogma thinking it was something else. I didn't really enjoy it. I thought it was going to be something else entirely. Yeah, I returned it, but I didn't give it a negative review because that was on me. I thought the game was going to be something else. That's me fucking up, not the mm-hmm. game developer. If you didn't understand the marketing of this is an action-adventure ex- like exploration type of game, I'm pretty sure on the Steam page it basically spells that out for you. You know, like, e- even when you come down to it, you get action-adventure sci-fi immediately in the tags for Steam, and... Everywhere about this game is about, like, mastering your abilities, you know, going to iconic locations, you know, all that sort of stuff. Cinematic and immersive. A lot more about, like, oh, hey, this is third-person action-adventure. No RPG. Nowhere mm-hmm. in there did they say it's an RPG. If it was an RPG, they would be telling you about it. And also, if, if let's say the person who said, well, they took the Star Wars out of Star Wars, was it referring to the fact that it was, you know... Not an RPG, more referring to the fact that you're some guy with a freaking laser stick running around doing parkour. I could tell you for a fact, in the nine hours I've played, without really spoiling anything, I have torn through hordes of enemies. On the hardest difficulty, torn through hordes of enemies like they were fucking paper. Fought more challenging enemies with precision and practice. Flown a fighter ship and piloted an AT-AT walker. There are plenty of things in this game that keep it to Star Wars. It is set in the Star Wars universe and there are things you still have to do in it that are going to involve blasters and, you know, the large walkers and things of that nature. Play the game for more than two hours. Or watch somebody fucking play it. If really, if anything, um, a lot of the... Like, if you're talking from a gameplay perspective, Star Wars has never had a defined gameplay style. Oh, no, it, it it never has. Star Wars is not a gameplay style. Star Wars is a universe. Yep, it's a setting more the, so than it is yeah, anything it, else it's at this a point. Setting. It, there is no defined story that you have to follow. There is no defined gameplay style you have to follow. Because we've had, uh, we've had kind of a tab target Mass Effect E style rpg i don't know the exact like, we'll just call it an rpg for now i mean fuck. Um, okay if we want to go down the list we've had side scrollers we've had rail shooters we've rail had shooters, the um starfighter uh simulators we've, we, we've had, had we, we've basically had the battlefield clones because it's the massive battles with battlefront battlefront 2 mm-hmm. the battlefront um, clones we've had um we've had racing games pod racing <laughs> i love had... that one it's unironically i actually really like that one just mm-hmm. for silliness we've had the racing games we've had um we've had other action adventure games in this t- uh genre <laughs> or in this setting 
<laughs> you want the Han Solo just dance moment? Oh my god, yeah. We had the disaster that was the Kinect game. Alright. You want to shit on that one, go for it. <laughs> you you want to say this took the Star Wars out of Star Wars? I swear to fucking god, you better be reaming that Kinect game, because if you're not, you're a hypocrite. Uh... You better be reaming most of the games that ever came out, because if not, you're a fucking hypocrite. You had like, all the games that, like, redid... Uh, you had, like, The Phantom Menace on PlayStation with that horrifyingly fucking, like, uptight isometric view. You have yeah. all of the goddamn Lego Star Wars games. Like, yeah. you have such a plethora of fucking range that Star Wars the setting has been used game-wise... Of course this one is going to be different. Why the fuck wouldn't it? I, who cares game. if it follows the goddamn vein that, you know, Uncharted and um, Tomb Raider did? Okay, so they're using a new uh, style of gameplay to tell a story in the setting of Star Wars. Enjoy it. <laughs> Enjoy the or story. Or fucking don't. They, as, they as literally have a fucking difficulty called story. If you just want the story, you can play for just the story. See, the, the funny thing about it, too, for me, is it's it's one of those situations where even when it comes from, like, a story standpoint, with your main character, he's got a droid sidekick, and a, you know, cavalcade of resistance members and other people he bumps into, this story is just about as Star Wars as Star Wars gets. Mm -hmm. With probably a bit more grit to it, because, well, let's be honest... Disney doesn't really know how to do grit in in Star Wars movies, or at least the directors don't. I don't. I don't know. Like, I don't well, know what's going on over there if, currently. If you want, if you want grit, this game gives it to you from start. <laughs> I'm guessing all the way till finish, but at least up until where I've been, it gives you grit. You have to tangle with you know temptations of the dark side. It doesn't fuck around. You are playing a Star Wars game. If you don't think you are, you're an idiot, or you're lying to yourself. Or you honestly have no concept of what Star Wars actually is. I don't know what kind of variant you want me to use here to explain this, but... Yeah. There's plenty in this game that makes it Star Wars. And there's plenty in the game that makes it a good game. It may not be your style. Again, it follows the same vein of that, like, Tomb Raider Uncharted exploration. The game wants you to look around the environments you're in to find secrets and collectibles. The game wants you to utilize your platforming and the abilities you get in order to move around the planets you're on. The combat wants you to focus on knowing when to defend, when to attack, and what style of attack you should use when facing certain enemies. Yep. Maybe that doesn't appeal to you. And if it doesn't, all right, that's fine. But that doesn't make it a bad game. The overall way that the game plays, how it handles, and everything about it have been fantastic. Granted, I am a fan of this genre, but that means I'm going to criticize it harder. Oh, yeah. I tend to be hypercritical on everything that I actually care for. <laughs> but um, one of the... <laughs> One of the things that comes to mind is, no, Browning, game is bad because it's not something I like. Fuck you, Bethesda. <laughs> um, but, like, th that's the thing, is when it comes, really, when it comes down to it, the game is really solid. Mm -hmm. As we said multiple times, if it's not your cup of tea, it's not your cup of tea, but you can acknowledge it for it being a good, like, you know, a really well, well-designed game for the genre it's in, which is good. Um, at this point, like, between that many people Hopping on to it being a good game. It's a pretty good game. I'd recommend this game. Um, even down to the user scores across Metacritic on all the all the games and just general coverage of the game across multiple platforms. It's 
at a point where it is no longer a like a subjective thing it's a good game it's just the part of the gameplay and you enjoying it is the subjective part mm-hmm. you may not enjoy that style of combat awesome cool you go to get some, you, you go get something else don't waste your money on a game you're not going to enjoy playing simple as that all right cool but it's it's a situation where you know the game is really solid if you guys are into that style, especially apparently because it, it marked the Dark Souls series and stuff like that as, you know, stuff that's similar. And I think one of the main problems people are having is that while there's aspects in action adventure games that are being um, like the, the ideas that that from software kind of baked into what Dark Souls, like what made it familiar and, and complex and difficult. Mm hmm by limiting your character from not being able to just attack wildly as you please and really having to care about your resources and stuff like that, like taking some of the systems that FromSoft is doing it and putting it into a game that's action-adventure because those systems really do work and they build tension and, you know, they, they, they kind of hinder your progression in a way that's a bit more understandable and a bit more of a way of, like, you can understand if being a little too generous with healing or... Or if this area is really hard, maybe you need to take it slower or stuff like that. Like, they give you a better indication of how you're doing in gameplay and when you need to slow down more and stuff like that, as well as building tension with the whole, like, you lose your experience and it's sitting in a pool over here. There's a whole lot of good design that goes into it. So, of course, game developers are hopping onto that train and, you know, taking the good ideas and trying to incorporate them in their own games. And some of those devs are just blatantly ripping off Dark Souls. And as as I'll say, I don't really care if they do. As long as the gameplay is fun, I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. And then there's other games like, well, simply put, like the fact that Darksiders did a Dark Souls variant, that Star Wars now has a slightly Dark Soulsy variant with this game. I don't know why it's called a Souls-like. Um, that like, There's so many other games that have those sort of mechanics to them that people will kind of identify as it being Souls-like that they're there because it, the design worked. It was... It wasn't just an all right design. It was a superb design that it kind of changed the face of the industry to a degree. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they're going to use some of that stuff. And people, whenever they see that Souls-like tag, expect something a bit more RPG-ish. And it's like, no, this is kind of the problem that I have is that Souls is so, at this point, because of how these Souls games have been set up, they're so, when you hear them, the few things that come to mind is difficulty, which be honest it's more of experience and what you're fighting right if you if you're not experiencing what you're fighting it's going to seem more difficult than if you fought them 20 fucking times all right save systems that build tension and not necessarily infinite resources they're infinite but they're finite you know right all right that's basically what dark souls do but the other thing people tend to tack on to that is rpg i'm able to build my stat page that's not true in all cases and that's fine especially not true in this case like and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that like not every game needs to be an rpg to incorporate stuff like a bonfire i'm I'm totally okay with that right. i don't need a stat system i don't need need that stuff for that to be intricate and hard i mean come on sekiro <laughs> there, there 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 was a skilled tree if i remember correctly mm-hmm. something's happening it, outside it, it, yeah, it's one of those things of, like, if you're going to compare Fallen Order to a Souls-like, compare it to Sekiro. Yeah. The amount of the amount of similarities that Fallen Order and Sekiro have are kind of astounding. I wouldn't be surprised if they drove, 
or drove if they took um a lot of inspiration from Sekiro or mm-hmm. they just happened to be developing it, you know, in a very similar fashion to Sekiro did was. Sekiro came out first, they looked at it and went, "Let's do that." We were on the track to do that. Let's do that. Yeah. Cuz it's the same thing of you have a single sword, no shield, you have to block and parry with the same button. You have a skill tree. You have the skills you naturally know as well as the ones you gain along in the story and you can make them better, but you don't level up. But anyway, um, I Dang. will say really quick, like you just said, with something happening outside with you, um, yeah. if you do hear banging, um, the aggressive woodpeckers just showed up upstairs. Yeah, it seems like I have some uh, people doing some stuff outside, which is why uh, that might probably was picked up on the microphone, mainly because I could feel that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've, I've been able to hear and feel a couple of things shifting upstairs, so... Yeah, so if you guys do hear the things in the background, it's it's kind of all right. It's it's whatever. This is gonna be very um, limited, I think. We really only got one more topic left, and one thing I would like to to brush upon, just because I I looked it up, just because I wanted to see like, oh hey yeah I know like Sekiro and now this game, and they they're kind of comparable. Um, Sekiro came out this year, huh? Back in March, almost April. It doesn't feel like it was this year. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. This this whole year doesn't feel like it was this year. Yeah. Hell, the freaking so... Tide Pod thing happened back in January, and that still throws me for a fucking loop every time I think about it. Okay. That, mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks, anyway. I hate it. Um, so so the fact that like they're they're oddly similar to be able to compare to like their respective kind of I guess genre defining bounds I guess to some degree like. In, in that weird loose case of the people who were expecting Dark Souls and got Sekiro were upset and people were expecting fucking KOTOR or whatever and didn't get it were upset if you want KOTOR just play the fucking MMO <laughs> ooh sorry I just had to be a dick there um, yeah, well. but yeah no like Fallen Order seems to be like shaping up to be a very good game yeah. um, you're playing it I don't know if Sleepy actually bought it because he he was looking at it. I I'm don't know if he the actually fuck bought out of it. it. Sleepy oh, he bought, bought it. it. He yep. has played it once. I don't know how long he played it for. I don't know what his opinion of it is yet. I don't know if yep. he's planning on like holding off and like potentially streaming it soon. So it's I'm one of those pretty sure of, he's going to. Yeah, it's one of those things of like we know another good friend of ours who has been on the podcast with yeah. us who owns the game is probably going to enjoy it he'll be giving his opinion about it and, and you know playing through it and seeing you know what he thinks of it overall so i am getting to that point of like like you've been up long enough where your brain just starts just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks mm-hmm. because i just had the gi joe theme replaced with sekiro yeah Okay. <laughs> You're right there. I'm fine. So, um, for our last topic, one that won't Ooh. be quite as cheery. Um, it'll be back and forth. It, it's definitely a lot more of like a, a neutral devil's devil's advocate area. Yeah. Um, and for those who somehow have not been aware of the going ons in this area, um. I, I very much envy the rock that you've been able to sit under. Um, sword and shield. Pokemon. Yeah. Oh, boy. And the... Like, I, I would like to say that it's a shit show. 
but at the same time, I'm not sure what side the shit shows on. Because at this well, point, it's uh, it's all up in the air. <laughs> I was going to say, it's definitely a shit show. It's just a matter of um, who's the shit being thrown at? I mean, I, I think... I, I think we both can say that we could throw shit in both directions right now. Oh, we could very easily do both. In fact, um, honestly, both sides kind of deserve it. Yeah, very much so. Um, so, a lot of the stuff that's been going around with Game Freak and the new Sword and Shield games have been uh, pretty ridiculous, especially considering that there is a huge Twitter trend about Game Freak lying about models and all this other stuff. And, whoo, there was some massive massive like steps taken to just chastise the game the franchise the people working on it um some people even the people death who threats. wanted to buy it yeah, even the people who wanted to buy it even the people who did buy it even the amount of people who still streamed it and watched it um let's be honest i think honestly at this point if you, <laughs> i'm actually getting to that area where i am almost certain that more and more game devs are just like why don't we just fuck with our community because more people will actually watch our game <sighs> which means potentially buyers <laughs> i don't know i really doubt that's an actual marketing move they can get away with but who fucking knows at this point because it seems like every other fucking week we're dealing with a uh some stupid controversy or some shit that's going on in the game industry a i mean dumb stunt or whatever up. Death Stranding blew up and was super divisive, and now we have Pokemon Sword and Shield, which last time you told me about the Metacritic store scores because you were keeping track of them last time. Yeah. Um, it was down to like what two? It was all so. I'm actually. Yeah, it was it was incredibly low, and there was a whole lot of stuff people were talking about like, oh, Game Freak lied, Game Freak did this, Game Freak did that, Game Freak promised this, and there's a lot of misconstrued ideas there's a lot of misunderstood things that was said about it and both sides are at fault at this um they could have very clearly clarified what was going on they could have definitely been way better at explaining some things and in all honesty there are some areas where yeah no part of the part of the fans who were complaining about some of this stuff really should back off because I mean, even even to a certain point, there was there was some points raised about other games that are like Pokemon and you know, like even TCGs and stuff like that that basically have not that, that that have not that have done some of the same things that Pokemon has done and have not gotten even an ounce of backlash by comparison. Oh yeah, um, and it's it's ridiculous. Note. Yes. Uh, so looking at the Metacritic scores currently, Pokemon Sword and Shield respectively individually. Uh-huh. are both at 4.0 okay so it's gone back up their dual pack has fallen all the way down to one jesus well um and one of the things that i would like to touch on and something that like i never i didn't fucking understand when it blew up the way it did and i still don't understand it um one of the big things that everyone's fucking pissed off about with this game is the fact that they removed the national decks and for someone who doesn't know Pokemon, and for me personally, who hasn't played Pokemon since Gen 4, mm-hmm. I, I've played Gen 1 when I was too fucking young to understand what the hell was going on. I played Dude, Gen same. 2, still too young to understand what the fuck's going on. I played Gen 3 when Emerald came out, and that was in that age where, like, I could fucking have a coherent thought that wasn't shit my pants. <laughs> it's an elegant way of putting it, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> God damn it. 
Um, I I can't I can't continue in this changing. <laughs> I said it and it was so defined, and then you laughed, and then my brain like put it together backwards, and I couldn't help but laugh at it. Uh, but it it's it was uh like at the time where i could actually like understand what was going on maybe not mm-hmm. so much like the the hardcore side of it but i can understand like some of the appeal of it right. it was really cool and it's a really cool idea of kind of like taking a, a, an rpg and being able to build your team instead of like kind of getting characters it was a cool way of doing it and i liked it and one of my nicknames from high school came out of it which was kecleon uh mm-hmm. specifically from third gen and then i played fourth gen on ds and basically from there uh Halo, shit like that. We basically went down a completely different route after after a certain point. Hell, the, the, even even now, I got a 3DS, and the only thing I got Pokemon-wise was the re-release of the third gen. <laughs> so yeah, I, have, I know I know Gen one, tiny bit of two, and three, <laughs> four. I yeah. was like, I didn't even finish. Um, so like the 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 whole National Dex thing broke out, and I was just like, the fuck's a National Dex? Huh? So, I don't know if you ever actually got the answer to that question. To kind of explain it for anybody who's listening who's also asking the same question, what the fuck is a National Dex? Assuming I actually remember this correctly, in all <laughs> of the previous um, iterations of the game from 4th gen on, as of reaching post-game, you unlocked something known as the National Dex. What this allowed you to do was you could get a Pokemon from outside of the current region you were in mm-hmm. meaning it would allow you to transfer pokemon from say an older generation of games say you had a bunch of pokemon you really liked you wanted to bring them over into the current um game you had either because they were your buddy buddy favorite pal whatever or they were this really rare pokemon legendary that wasn't available in the current game you were playing and you just wanted to have them boop they're yeah. there that's quite literally what the National Dex was and what it was for. It was something that was only available, assuming I'm remembering this correctly, it was only available post-game. It became available by completing certain tasks. It seems like some of them were post-game, maybe some of them weren't, but you had to do certain certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, it like, I think it kind of varied. Um, and majorly, it, w- it was not something that was available at the start. But Sword and Shield did cut this out and to a degree i understand where they're coming from and i can understand i could understand the argument against it from other people in circum in certain circumstances and circum certain stances brain (laughs) (laughs) that wasn't even that uh anyways um so the thing about it that i that i understand is this is game freaks like kind of the main team supposedly because apparently let's go ev was a side team i don't know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna confirm or deny any fucking thing that happens with shit like that um besides let's go pikachu and ev whether that was designed by the same team that designed this game or whatnot um everything else game freak has done has been on handheld even pokemon stadium stuff and coliseum stuff if i remember correctly was not Game Freak. It was other companies. So Game Freak coming from the handheld side, coming to Switch, uh, started talking about like, oh, hey, you know, there's a whole lot of like, there's a different limiter on us now. We'd like, the, by comparison, the 3DS limiter 
and the switch limiter is going to be massively different. So one of the big problems that they had, and I cannot say one way or another if this is true, but one of the big problems they had is the fact that if they have a national dex, they have to account for every Pokemon that they have, which is, I don't know how many now. <laughs> I actually don't know how many there are now. I believe, I believe there's somewhere around like 873 Pokemon currently. Or with the addition of the new Gala, uh, Galagar? Is that the I, region? I don't know. I don't with the know. addition of the new region, I believe it's 873. I Don't take my word for it. Google exists. But I, I, it's I somewhere above right 800. I know that. Uh, considering that I'm looking through this right now, and this is... What generation is this? Uh, eight? Yes, Generation 8. So with Generation 8, uh, it looks like there's about 890 different Pokemon. So given the fact that there's about 890 different Pokemon, um, they would have to account for all of them or a good portion of them. And to be fair, that takes a good amount of development time to develop moves for all of that stuff. There's a lot of things they did take out of the game, which like... I can understand people being pissed about to some degree. Um, but the National Dex removal is something that has been on the horizon for this game ever since its, its inception. Once you hit a certain point of so many things being in the game, some things have to be left behind. If you've ever played a trading card game, if you've ever played Magic the Gathering, you know that if you were to play, I don't know, Standard, which is the current uh release and the past four releases if i remember correctly could be could be a little bit off basis there but that's the that's the rule of thumb that i was told when i started um everything after that was not able to be played in standard and this is because balance changes meta changes mechanic changes having to remember a mechanic for a card that's made before you were born in some cases you know, especially for people, some people who are getting into magic nowadays, probably there's cards out there that have the cardboards older than they are, you know? So it's one of those, like, there's going to be a point where you have to cull the amount of characters you have. You can't have all 900 creatures in this thing without having some varied degree of palette swap or something else. The fact that they have to do 3D models for all of them, the fact that they have to do animations for all of them even if they decide to skimp out on animations the fact that they have to properly convey these these creatures in a non 2d space because a lot there's quite a few of them that have been 2d and i'm pretty sure quite a few of them who never got a 3d uh, 3d model or if they did because i think they did say that they got all the pokemon in one in one of the games that they did have the 3d models in that some of them they put a whole lot of effort into making these 3D models, and they probably weren't used as much by comparison because only so many of them are actually being used competitively. Only some of them are actually being used because of, you know, the fact that people like them. I am pretty sure there's that fucking runt of the litter in every single one, in every single generation. So it's one of those, like, okay, we have all those Pokemon that we have to account for. Some of them may not even be used. Some of them will be used all the time. You have to balance all of this stuff. You have to make sure all the moves uh, like are updated. You have to do all of that stuff with them. 
cool that's a lot of coding that's a lot of extra stuff they were able to do it in the 3ds generations sure but three 3ds generations they didn't have to worry about textures and all that sort of stuff as well textures could look basic bitch now we're moving into the switch era where one as as uh brownie you brought up before when we were talking about what to talk about for this episode how the fuck are you going to transfer your character or your team because huh. <laughs> as far as i know um they don't do a cloud storage whatever like they they they, they don't transfer anything as i think everything as, yeah as far as i know the transfers the transfers that they did from one game to another is the ds had this really cool function where you could boot one game do something in it mm-hmm. put your ds in a state of stasis where it realizes the action you did in the last game you take the cartridge out put the new one in tell the ds what you've done and it'll go okay we're continuing that transaction boom as far as i know that's how they did the transfers i okay. don't know if that's the system they used but that's my assumption so they had something called the pokemon bank which was through the internet okay. so it was a class it was a cloud-based data saving system um that worked all the way back from like the old ds like black white hell even you could get like gold and silver um but like you you were able to take some of the stuff move it over to you know ultra sun ultra moon all that sort of stuff and they, they, they had something like that they have pokemon home which apparently is cloud-based service service i'm assuming you might actually have to pay for it but you're able to transfer stuff from your 3ds pokemon bank um let's go pikachu and eevee sword and shield and pokemon go to your pokemon home which means that there's potential that they actually are act- working on this stuff but they removed the national decks for sword and shield and what came out of it is the fact that well a lot of upset fans a lot of upset fans like i don't know how you're going to switch between the 3ds pokemon bank and and the switch i don't think they thought that far ahead i don't know if like really they were trying to um but it came down to the fact that the reason they gave is balancing that many pokemon is kind of a bitch they didn't use that wording um but balancing was a bitch and dealing with all of that was was very annoying and the fact that they have to now focus on now that they're working on the Nintendo Switch, that they're actually on a console-esque platform and not a very limited um, handheld platform. Like The Switch has its own limitations, sure, because it is technically still a handheld to some degree, but it actually has better hardware to be considered console level to some degree. So you're able to have a lot more liberties with um, a lot of games, animations, physics, whatever. Right. Awesome. So they actually touched upon this in the same sense of like we want to focus on the battle and the pa- and and the balancing and one of the things they said is now that we're on the switch the hardware limitation is a lot higher than what we used to be used to be doing so we have to spend you have to spend more time making the game look graphically superior and making the animations look graphically superior and this was a general comment about the switch from 3ds to the, the switch <laughs> the switch from 3ds uh realized wording there but that was the change they had to they had to deal with going from a small tiny handheld that has very little space on it to oh we actually have gigs to use that can be used for high fidelity textures and animations and wireframes and stuff like that oh and it was more of a mission of there's more that we can do with this 
now that we're here and we it kind of came off to me as i read the interview of we didn't expect what we didn't know what that those limitations were until we were developing and having to add in all of that stuff and then try to update things and do all of that stuff i don't think they wanted to just rehash everything because they said they they would like basically they would like to well, if they're going to put everything in, they'd want to update it and make sure it looks better versus kind of putting out a game that they wanted to they wanted to make and be enjoyable for Generation 9 and have a bit more balance to it, a bit more nuance to, you know, each team and, and Pokemon. So it feels a bit more a, a bit more like many of the teams can work and that the battles were fun and that catching Pokemon was fun. And whether or not you think like the, the catching Pokemon side and the stuff they changes they did on that side was fun or not or good or not whatever but that was what they were generally trying to say is that they have to deal with a whole lot more with animation and texturing with the switch than previously and that they really weren't prepared for it so yeah they reused the models from the 3ds days because they they were serviceable enough they're they're kind of a stylized platform to begin with pokemon has never been the leading uh, like engineer of realistic graphics they've always been a stylized anime-esque style if you hear any sort of fuzz in the background that's because the heating in this area just picked up um they've always been really stylized they've always been really simplistic so the 3ds models for the time being are passable they don't even think they made new models for let's go pikachu and eevee besides maybe some of the stuff where you're able to ride the the pokemon around the open like the overworld so why suddenly expect them to make 3D models from the ground up when they're talking about, like, they're wanting to update it? Not that they are. Maybe I've just read a different article than everybody else, but it just seems to me that a lot of people are blowing that part up of, like, they wanted to not add national decks because they wanted more high-fidelity animations and, and, and textures, and in reality, no, they just wanted to balance things better. They wanted to balance moves better. They wanted to balance the... the Pokemon better. They wanted to balance a lot more things better and make things more engaging, a little easier, and just a bit more fair across the board. And I, I can understand that. I can understand where people were like upset about it because some people apparently, and I never understood this, but apparently a lot of people like the idea of being able to take your team from generation to generation and maybe pick up one or two new ones. And it's like, well, that's that's a cool trait and a cool feature. Um, then why the hell are they adding more generations? If you're just going to use, like, the same five or six Pokemon with maybe changing out one or two, why are they spending so much time adding these new generations when they could just, I don't know, stop at Sword and Shield and just re-release all the ones that apparently you like? It, it just it just doesn't make sense to me. If they're going to add anything new, if they're going to go to new regions with new Pokemon and, and new mechanics, they're going to have to, at some point, say that some of them can't be there because there's eventually going to hit a point where there's too many of them and that balancing all of them is going to suck and that some of them are just going to be forgotten never used whatever and you can't do anything about that you just have to have to accept that there's so many fucking pokemon i can't even name you half of the 890 of them there are i probably can't even i can probably maybe name you 10 I'd be stretching if I said 20. And that's the problem, is why have 890 if everyone's going to rely on certain amounts or whatever? <clears throat> Do I think they could have done a better job? Yeah. I feel like they could have done a, a much better job with 
with what they delivered. But eh. I feel like a lot of people misconstrued the point of like we're on a new platform and this is unfamiliar ground for us. And it's it's weird. Brownie, you've been a little silent since for a little bit. Uh, the tiredness is just hitting me, that's all. <laughs> uh, how are you feeling on the whole thing? Like, we, what is there any element of this that's like really kind of like got you the wrong way? The whole thing, to be honest. Yeah. Like, yeah, Game Freak and Nintendo could have done a lot better job like prepping the game. I couldn't give less of a shit about the n- national decks. Yeah. I, I'm kind of in the same vein as you, if anything. Uh, the new region and the new um, area should have had only the new Pokemon available. As far as I'm concerned, Charizard and the rest of the like Kanto group that did happen to make it over like shouldn't have been a part of it. Um, aside from that, like it's Pokemon. Yeah. It's a kids game first and foremost. Like yeah, it's got a huge following and an adult centric like fan base, but at the same time, it's a fucking game about cute animals battling to make you happy they're gonna try new things they're on a new console they're on console for the first time forever like it wasn't exactly what you wanted what (laughs) why were your expectations so damn high see my my main thing with that is like it's not even like the first time in a while i believe it's their first time ever really yeah that was a miss I misspoke on that. It's their first time on console. So, they, there's a lot of stuff that they definitely can't get away with by comparison. Like, there's a lot of 3DS, like, let's let's cut corners here because you're not going to fucking notice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we're now getting to an area where, like, some of the details matter. That's cool. Um, my... Yeah, my, my specific thing with it, at least at this point, is it's just like, why... My favorite bit is I've seen people talk about how... Th- them talking about wanting to balance the, the Pokemon games a bit more to make kind of like the people who dedicate themselves to playing them to end game or hardcore levels are able to like enjoy themselves and have a bit more of like a team variety. You know, stuff mm-hmm. like... You know, stuff I can respect as a as a fighting game player and as a uh, as a as an fps shooter guy where blatant imbalance in weapons can be some of the most infuriating things in the fucking world yeah and having a developer like want to do something about that want to fix that and like really really dig deep into that is uh, i think a pretty commendable feat and they wanted to add more things like customization to what your trainer looks like or any of that sort of stuff and like i I commend that stuff but the fact like that uh, some of the hardcore audience is talking about like well no one cares about the balance because the casuals are like 99.99 percent of the game and and they don't care about balance and it's like well if they didn't hold up (laughs) have you seen how many nuzlocke challenges have been happening have you been seeing how much these games have stayed in the public eye because if 99.99 percent of the people who played this game dropped it and never played it again after beating it this game would these games wouldn't be as big as they are you guys are where keeping this game alive they're trying to cater to you guys in, in the sense of balance why are you denying them that oh because you don't get the pokemon that you want to use your team with with the balance that you want okay why they even expressed that they wanted to like bring some of the like kind of more bring some of the the regional pokemon back to some degree here and there as they go down the line and i think it's a better idea to kind of like 
they're on generation eight. We're almost hitting 10 generations. And we're assuming if they've added, you know, 100 plus per generation, we're going to be hitting over 1,000 something. We're already at 890. If they add, you know, another 110 next generation, we're at 1,000. Do they really need to add more fucking models to this game? Or can we start, like, getting in, like, hybrid generations where and and instead of bringing new pokemon or if they bring in new pokemon very very few intricate pokemon but being mixed in with stuff like the kanto region and some other region kind of having like a hybridization of those two and seeing how they interact and really having an in, a more interesting outlook on that but no 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 like we gotta have all of them i don't understand it honestly i think it's a little batshit like some of the outrage around like i can understand wanting to have a more visual fidelity game cool that's awesome but i feel like a lot of it has has gone to the point of like i don't know what you were expecting from developers who were handheld developers who cut corners for as basically as long as they could as one of our friends pointed out the whole like these guys used a blue orb as your as your flying pokemon instead of the actual sprite for him for like four or five games in a row so it's like, what are you expecting from them? They're going to cut as many corners as they can to make sure they can bring these games out as quickly as possible because they are a multimedia franchise, not just a gaming franchise. They are, they yeah, they, they, they make games, but they also make trading cards and, and an anime and other things. So if they're not pumping something out on a relatively regular basis, it's uh, it's bad for them. It's really bad for them. So... This is going to happen when you're on a roughly yearly release schedule. Sorry. There's too many Pokemon at this point. There's just way too fucking many. I understand where they're coming from. And I feel like some of the community backlash, like, I can understand. This is what you guys wanted. You are expecting more. And I, I respect that. You want to hold developers to a higher standard. Great. You're holding handheld developers to the standard of console developers. It's like telling a mobile developer that, a f that, that like, the AAA MMO on... on, on PC is better than his phone-based one. Like, you know shit. There's limitations. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. It's their first, like, their real first attempt at making a mainline Pokemon game, and people are going a bit batshit. Is it the best game? No. Is it the worst game? No. <laughs> but if it's just... Prop <laughs> that was, what were you going to say? It's just upsetting that, you know, Game Freak did try and put a good amount of work into this game. It's not like they just it's not that they completely just shit out something and didn't care about it. Yeah. It just didn't live up to an expectation that you wanted to hold them to. And unfortunately, you decided to hold them to, you know, this weird competitive expectation of being able to have everything ever in the game. And if you look at any other game in the world, you realize that's not how this fucking works. Ever. Hey, do you want me to go down the line of how many Street Fighter V characters are in the game and how many Street Fighter characters that are, are not in the game that people have been asking for since the fucking start of Street Fighter V? You want to mention how long it took us to get fucking E-Honda? <laughs> like, and that's, that, that's a franchise that has not even 100 characters? Like, not, not even 100 characters. I think it has a total of 70? Something like that. And they have a hard time throwing in all those characters. Hey, you want to talk about how Dragon Ball Fighter Z has a whole bunch of other characters they haven't tapped into that they could be tapping into? But nah, here's another Goku. 
Mm-hmm. You want to talk about... Basically, guys, if you want to look at anything else, look at fighting games. There's plenty of, like, Soul Calibur 6, fucking Tekken 7, whatever, of characters we're waiting for in those games that may never happen because there's just too fucking many of them. You're now getting hit with that stick. They have reached for the stars and they were able to do it for the longest time because of not needing to have holy shit high resolution textures, holy shit high resolution models. Yeah, the 3DS models are still good enough for the Switch for the time being, but they had to definitely update the how it's rendered and that takes fucking time. The fucking textures on it to make sure that it doesn't look like a garbled piece of trash. Like, yeah, sure. But to then give all nine, almost 900 Pokemon custom animations for every attack. That's, that's asking a lot. Street Fighter V is barely able to do that with 40 without that game being fucking massive. Street Fighter V with 40 different fighters. <sighs> I'm trying to remember the exact number. The... Currently at 39 fighters? Well, it's currently 39 fighters. Even still, with 39 fighters, you have over a thousand unique animations. Mm-hmm. And That's for everything from standing, idle, taunts, movement, attacks, damage, falling, jumping, all dashing. of that. Dashing, it's all unique. And it's at different speeds based on the character you're playing. Mm-hmm. So, Not to mention, you have you have the animations of, you know, here's the attack when it's normal. Here's the attack again when it's EX, and it's a completely different animation because of the speed and the power that goes into it. The speed, the power, and the fact that there's multiple hits to it, or that it changes mm-hmm. some property to it. Um, the fact that it has a nice swirly effect around it. Um, I understand this is probably more to do with textures on the animations, but still, that game is 33 gigabytes. I don't think, I don't even think like, I don't even think like Sword and Shield are even that big. I don't even, I don't remember how big Smash was. Pokemon Sword and Shield is only 9.5 gigs. 9 gigs. You want, and that's with, I don't even, I don't even know how much, how much Pokemon, but still, that's, <laughs> that's pretty ridiculous. All, that's with all the Pokemon, that's with all the characters, that's with all the world rendering, water rendering, story rendering. Everything in that game all compiled down in less than... What was the last mainline Pokemon game before Sword and Shield? That would have been... So, Sun and Moon size. Let's just go with that. (laughs) 3.2 gigs. 3.2 gigs. Sizable fucking increase, eh? So the thing is, is I'm pretty sure that, like, as much as they would love to put all of that in, that would have been fucking ridiculous. Like... It's just not as feasible as people think it is. Like even when we even when we come down to like let's let's say Super Smash Bros Ultimate, the file size can reach as high as sixty gigabytes. That's for a Smash game. For Smash, you know the the, the area that the, the game that has oh I don't know fucking everybody in it. Literally every character that's ever existed in Smash is there with with some new ones too. Oh, and let's not forget the fact that it also has basically every stage that's ever existed in a Smash game, plus some, all the music, all the stuff like that. Yeah, it's 60 gigs. Tell me you want to look me dead in the face and that you want to download a 60 gig fucking Pokemon game. Because I've already had to download Bloodborne and wait to be able to play that after I bought it. 
I'm pretty sure you want to go down that route of having to deal with your shit internet drop out from your Wi-Fi or whatever fucking plug-in you have that isn't super great because internet in some places of the world fucking sucks. Even in places that are next to good internet. <laughs> you sure you want that big of a game? Or do you want to get, get to playing the game as soon as possible? So I'll be honest, kind of getting tired of the games that have everything that have way too much fucking gigs. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Siege. Stop being 110. Yeah, that's the problem, though. It is... There's a lot of different limitations now. Now that you have the graphical fidelity to go higher, it's going to cost more. It's going to it's going to make the the cost of the games go up. To make them, it's going to make the cost of the storage needed to go up. It's going to it's going to cost everything. Do you want that? I don't know. I'm not as big as a Pokémon fan. <laughs> but personally, it it did seem very weird that these developers whether or not you think they're great developers is getting hit for something that, that seemed a bit more misconstrued than than full-on negative. I can understand people not liking the animations and and how many Pokemon that they have in Sword and Shield. All right. If you played it and you didn't enjoy it, that's, that's fair. And you want to complain about it? Sure. But from a development standpoint, I can kind of see the, dev the, 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 the bind that they're in. There's not much they can do about it unless you want to have giant file sizes. And I mean giant. So, it's unfortunate. But it was bound to happen at some point. And I think, honestly, game balance, especially if you want to keep a more hardcore audience with you, is massive. But I think it's about time for us to wrap things up. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Brownie, you're probably getting tired at this point. Yeah. And, well, I've got a few other things I need to do today. Um, as it, One of them is, uh, well, making this a thing. <laughs> Yay. So, thank you guys for joining us here at the place and in our uh, very positive and ending more on a neutral kind of like, what, what would you prefer state? Like, and I, I guess that'd be something that I, I think we could ask everybody. Um, if you are a part of our Discord and you know where the feedback page is for our podcast, um, I'd actually like to hear your answers on this one. Would you prefer a bigger file size for a Pokemon game or a more balanced Pokemon game? Personally, I think I lean more towards balance. <laughs> and even if you want something kind of in between, I can understand that. Like maybe the idea that I had with the hybrid gener like generations where you kind of get a mix of two generations instead. I'd love to hear your, your feedback on that or your answers to that question. But you can talk to us about that on Discord. You can follow us on Twitter. I don't I need to make more posts on Twitter for um, for uh, the place besides just when we put up a new episode. But, yeah. Thank you guys for listening. I've been Dr. Keck. I have been a very tired Deceptive Brownie. You've been a lot more tired than I have. And we will catch you guys in the next episode. Have a good one. <laughs>